Welcome to the Nonprofit Hub Radio Podcast, where we highlight nonprofit innovators, leaders, and influencers every week that are changing the sector for the better. I'm your host, Delaney Molinex, Executive Director of Nonprofit Hub. If you're not for profit and all for purpose, you're in the right place. You see, we know you're already doing good, but we've designed this podcast to help nonprofit professionals find growth, joy, and connection. So tune in weekly for new episodes to elevate your cause, spread the news, and share the resources we share with you. We'd like to thank DonorBox for sponsoring today's episode of the Nonprofit Hub Radio podcast. DonorBox is the online fundraising engine of choice for over 50,000 organizations in 96 countries. Their intuitive fundraising software was designed with your donors in mind. Go to DonorBox.org to sign up today. That's D-O-N-O-R-B-O-X dot O-R-G. Delaney here with Nonprofit Hub. In this episode, I talked to Tim Kachuriak. He is the Chief Innovation Officer at Next After. And yes, you will learn what exactly that job title means in our interview. But the purpose of this conversation is to talk about how leaders can put people over profits and how that might look a little bit differently in the nonprofit sector. And just because the sector is known to really prioritize relationships it doesn't necessarily always put people over profits, especially when it comes to nonprofit employees and staff. So tune in and learn some ways that nonprofits can put people over profits and how leaders can develop habits and strategies that make this something that is, again, habit and not something that you need to think about all the time. Uh, my name is Tim Kuturiak, and I'm the Founder and Chief Innovation and Optimization Officer for Next After. We're all jealous of your job title. Can you tell me a lot about what that means? <laughs> well, when I worked at a previous agency, um, I was responsible for innovation and optimization. And so innovation means developing new solutions to fundraising challenges, and optimization means making the existing solutions work better. So I kind of borrowed that title and just kind of spruced it up a bit when I started Next After. It's, it's a pretty awesome job title. So outside of your job, I'd love to ask you a question for all of us to get to know you a little bit better. Um, that question is, do you collect anything? Ooh, do I collect? I think you have the wrong Katriak. So my brother's a big collector. He's got like a Civil War memorial or memorabilia collection and coin collection. I think he's got like rare wood collection of sorts. Uh, but I guess if I were to say that I collect something, I, I collect experiences, right? Because like yeah. at the end of the day, like the wood's going to rot, the coins are going to be sold, you know, the clothes will have moth that eat them and yet experiences or memories that we you know get to carry with us throughout life. So I'd yeah. say experiences is what I collect. Yeah. I think that's honestly the best answer. Um, so because you don't have a, a, a collection as we think of it, um, I have another question for us to tell you better than. Okay. Um, what is your most prized possession? Ooh, my most prized possession. Man, um, I don't know. I'm not really a big like stuff kind of person. Um, I would say my most treasured relationships is certainly my family. So I think yeah. we talked a little bit before we came on. Uh, my home is turning into a little bit of a family compound. I've got my, my father who lives in a guest house uh, that we built when my mother got 
cancer and passed away. And then uh, my in-laws who are, you know, facing end of life issues. I think my, my mother is 80 and she's going blind. My father-in-law is 84 and has dementia. So uh, they've been living with us for the last several years. So, uh, and I've got four kids and we've got dogs and cats and horses and all kinds of stuff. So it's quite a menagerie. Nice. I love that. So today we're going to talk about putting people over profits and just even by your answers already, it's, it's clear that you prioritize relationships and the people in your life, but what does it actually mean to put people over profits? Well, I mean, I think what it means is actually you know, kind of putting your money where your mouth is. I mean, a few things that, you know, we do just here at Next After is like, we try to really make sure that we're taking care of our employees first and foremost. Um, and then we put their needs even ahead of our clients. needs. I know that sounds sacrilegious in a service-based industry that we work in, but clients will come and go, but our team is what lasts forever. So certain things we do is like, you know, when I worked at other agencies, there was never time for lunch. I'd go to the third floor coffee shop and get a crummy sandwich and I'd eat at my desk and yet another conference call. And so when I started my own company, I said, every day I'm going to take time out and have lunch. And then when Jeff came on board, we'd go out and we'd have lunch. And then Kevin came on board and we'd go out and we'd have lunch. And then the group got too big. And so we started actually catering lunch um, you know, internally. We do that now for 50 people every single day. And I know that people kind of gasp when I say that, say, wow, isn't that a great expense? But it scales, right? Because we did that in the very beginning, it just scales like with all the rest of our overhead. So that's right. one thing we do. And, you know, we also try to like make sure that our employees share in the profitability of our company. I mean, being a, a for-profit business, we do have profits at the end of the year. And I believe that the people that help to generate those profits should have a share in those. And so 7% right. of our profits go to our employees. Yeah, you know, we just try to do other things like that just to make sure everybody is taken care of. Yeah. I was always so impressed. I met a girlfriend of mine that lived out in California and she worked for Google mm -hmm. and all of those employees like cried during the shutdown and the quarantine, not because of just like the fact that we were in a pandemic, but because their jobs at Google were so cushy. Like they got free massages, they got like full buffet, they got like Starbucks coffee, um, just like, I um, mean, like better than living at home if you like went and worked at Google. Um, my next question is, do you think that nonprofits naturally put people over profit and why or why not? And Man. talk about that in, right, like maybe a nonprofit translation, like relationships over not revenue or however you want to say it. Yeah. Um, but why or why not? Well, I would say probably probably not uh and, and the reason why is because like one, some of the challenges we have in our space is that we can't typically pay people that work in nonprofit organizations ultimately what they're worth like in the open market many people that work in nonprofits could make way more money if they worked in the for-profit sector but for some reason we require people to make a sacrifice when they come to work at a nonprofit and say well no this is a calling this is like a a greater good and so we can't really pay you also because it doesn't look good right like we want to have like uh, good metrics when it comes to how much is going towards overhead and fundraising and things like that. And so um, I'd say that that's one area that nonprofits really fall short is that they're not paying people what they deserve. Mm -hmm. You mentioned that you want to make sure that your employees get a cut of profits um, or share in the success of the organization, um, just as others, what are those maybe higher up leaders would. Um, it's not necessarily a written law that nonprofits can't do that. Um, do you think that's kind of just a limiting belief out there? 
Well, uh, you know, it's it's challenging because it creates somewhat of a uh, maybe misaligned incentive, right? So, like the the whole argument is that like if we incentivize people to make the organization like more profitable and they have a share of those proceeds that they'll do things that are unethical and ultimately are made to kind of make them more money and not necessarily be in the best interest of providing their social good. So I understand the argument for why it doesn't happen and why organizations don't do it. But I think that there could be transparency and all of that. And, um, yeah, maybe find some sort of middle road that works um, for folks that work in the nonprofit sector. Right. How does a nonprofit, and based on your experience, how do you, and it sounds like maybe your culture kind of started with this people over profit mentality, but if you're not putting people over profit, how can an organization or a company make that culture change within their organization? Well, I think there's small things that you can do. So for example, like investing in professional development, look, both you and I work in the event space. Like we produce conferences and uh, many times what people will say is like, I would love to come to your conference. However, my organization doesn't have any sort of funding in place to enable me to be able to go do that. And I think that that's a mistake. That's one way that you can invest in your people is by giving them resources that they can use to better themselves. And what I find is that when we do that, so, you know, every single person next after gets, I think it's $2,000 or $2,500 a year for professional development. That could be an online course. That could be going to a conference. That could be taking a you know seminar or whatever. Um, and our requirement is, is that, okay, you can go use those funds to go better yourself in some way, but you have to come back. And during one of our lunch uh, times, like you have to go give a presentation and share, you know, a few things that you learned from the experience. And that's one of the ways that we can actually like leverage the investment we make in our people and actually have that spill over into our entire company. I love that idea. I think that also makes them probably proud too, you know, even if it is maybe scary or intimidating for them to have to share in front of everyone, not everyone is a speaker, but. Well, as you know, like we do a lot of presenting at Next After, and I believe it's a skill that every single person, regardless of their role, needs to develop. And so again, just trying to create natural opportunities for that to happen. Hi, this is Kevin Burgess, the editor of the Nonprofit Hub Radio podcast, and I'd like to tell you about today's sponsor, DonorBox. DonorBox has a simple mission, to do everything possible to support nonprofit organizations in their efforts to make a difference. From hitting your first campaign goal to growing into a sustainable and thriving nonprofit, DonorBox makes it easy for organizations to maximize donations and attract more supporters. From charities to social impact groups to faith-based organizations, DonorBox delivers a simple, seamless donation experience for your supporters. So visit DonorBox.org to sign up with no setup or monthly fees and no contract required. That's DonorBox.org. Now let's get back to today's episode. What are some habits of leaders that put people over profit? So this can be daily things, values that they hold dear, um, things like honesty, transparency, humanity, et cetera. Well, I'd I'd say first and foremost, it's intentionality. So so one of the things that um, we put in place is we instituted this technology called Tiny Pulse. What Tiny Pulse does is it gives us an opportunity to allow 
our um, employees to anonymously like, you know, communicate with the leadership of the co company. So every week there's a like a question of the week. It's like one question survey and they can respond and then they can also like leave feedback. And we've got tons of great insights into areas that our leadership team is falling short. And we've de then developed programs and many different opportunities that have come out of that kind of feedback. So first being intentional about it, I think is is really, really important. I think secondly, it's, it's, you know, we talked about this earlier, it's actually investing in your people, right? It's got to cost you something as a leader, whether that's financial or time or whatever, but it has to cost you something. If it doesn't cost you something, then are you really putting people ahead of profits? Uh, and I would say probably not. Yeah. Was that scary at all for you to open the door to anonymous feedback? Uh, no, not at all. Absolutely. Not at all. I was like the biggest advocate for it. And it's become really uh, a great tool, not only for just like soliciting feedback, but also giving an opportunity for people inside of our company to celebrate each other. So like there's this yeah. like tiny cheers feature where people can go and say, hey, you know, great job, Tristan, uh, way to uh, err on the side of generosity by doing X, Y, Z. So it's like they're kind of tying how people are, you know, doing their jobs every single day back to our core values, which is awesome. Yeah, that's great. Um, was there ever a time I'm doing some more research into the aspect of quiet quitting and even quiet firing in the nonprofit sector? I think you and I have maybe chatted about that a little bit, but as someone who puts people over profit, has there ever been a time where you felt challenged in a situation where maybe an employee wasn't performing that well and you wanted to put their kind of like their humanness and their humanity first, but it might not have been best for the organization? Yeah. Um, we, we've had uh, performance issues just like any other business, like with, with some of our employees from time to time. And you know, we'll do the typical things like put them on a performance improvement plan. But many times we'll have their manager or supervisor sit down with them and, and really maybe peel back the layers of like, you know, yeah. is, there, is there something going on that's like, you know, preventing you from being able to give your all at work, right? And like, you know, just kind of leave it open uh, because we, you know, we we're not trying to probe or anything, but if there's something going on, and we found out in some cases, like uh, this this one gentleman that worked for us, um, his father uh, was very, very ill, and he was really responsible for providing for um, some of the medical bills that his mm -hmm. father uh, was incurring. And so we met as a leadership team. We said, well, what can we do? How What is erring on the side of generosity, which is like our kind of cornerstone value at Next After? What does that look like in this particular instance? And we ended up you know, providing funds to be able to help provide um, assistance for his his father's medical bill. So just like, you know, simple little things like that. Yeah. I think that's important. And, and to your point, when you when you finally learn what's what's hindering something from their capability to do their job, sometimes that can be a short term fix or like maybe something like you said, like maybe you can you already check. Obviously that's not fixing the whole problem, but there was something that you could do immediately. Whereas some people, that's like a really long term investment to put that person first. Sure. Um, like I've had experiences where I'm like on the verge from like letting someone go for a while. And then all of a sudden they kind of just like kick up into gear and like your hard work has paid off because like you've invested in this person for so long. Um, and I think that's really hard to do how, um, I mean, and you asked yourself this, I think you just said like intentionality, but how does that nonprofit leader make, make the decision for the better interest of their people and staff instead of their bottom line? you kind of have this naturally, but I think you and I both know that that doesn't come naturally for everybody. 
I mean, are there yeah. books, things that people do on a daily basis to kind of just keep this like on the forefront of their, like obviously putting it in your, like, you know, you can write stuff every day, like you can have bylaws and, you know, whatever. Um, but how do you really make this something like you said to make it intentional? Well, I, I mean, again, like it's, you're going to invest either time or money, right? And so like one of the, the, the big things I'm a huge advocate of is actually investing time in people. So like, you know, going offsite, like taking a day and like going and having like just, just some time for your, your folks just to have fun with each other. Right. I mean, like you're going to spend 80,000 hours of your life at work. Right. And if the experience at work is a very, you know, just it's all about productivity and there's no sort of like relational components uh, that enriches that experience, then it's going to be a pretty crappy life, right? So when I was building Next After, I was just like, what's a company that I would want to work at for the rest of my life, right? Like, why don't I go and try to create that kind of experience for my staff members? And, you know, if, it, if it's something that is a place that I would enjoy working, maybe they'd enjoy working here as well, right? And we found that, you know, honestly, like generally people like each other, they feel like they know each other. They feel like they're seen, that they're heard, that they have a voice, that they don't have to be afraid of like failing. If like they, you know, try something and it doesn't work, they're not going to go and, you know, be um, punished for that. So I think it's, it's about like time. And like I said, just like giving your employees a sense that you see them Mm -hmm. and you know them. Yeah. Kind of thinking back to our conversation about if someone isn't performing to the best of their ability, I love, and I know that next after uses this mindset as well, but the entrepreneurial operating system. And I love the three questions. Um, do they get it? Do they want it? And do they have the capacity? Right. Um, and I can't remember what, what Gino says about each of these three questions, but some of them are fixable and some of them are not. Um, if they don't get it, you can't fix that. If they don't want it, you can't fix that. But if they don't have the capacity, you can probably fix that. Um, and so I love like asking those questions when I'm thinking about like an employee or a team member or something that something's not quite right. And and sometimes they're in the wrong seats, right. Or they're wearing the wrong hat. And so that's another thing that we can adjust as leaders. We can say, okay, you know, um, you're not working out very well in this particular role, but there's a different role that we have over here that may be more, you know, suitable to your skill set, knowledge and abilities. Yeah. So my other thought during this conversation is you've done such an excellent job at putting people over profit in your own company. You're able to build this exactly the way you wanted. How does this mindset apply to you? Like you are a person too. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I'm pretty open book. Like I'm pretty transparent about like, you know, what's going on in my life. And so, you know, I think that as a leader, you can really open up transparency among your staff by first demonstrating that and modeling it yourself. So um, I want to be seen. I want to be known. I want to be heard. Right. And so I, I feel like I try to make myself available, you know, not just professionally, but also like as a human <laughs> to other yeah. people inside our organization. Right. Yeah. But, and, and I'm speaking more in terms of like taking care of yourself first um, before me, like maybe you realize like having that compassion, just like you do for your employees and putting your employees first, sometimes maybe you need to come first. And I think that's also a problem that's, I mean, characteristic of any sector, regardless of nonprofit or not. Um, I think it's a, a mindset that you can also flip into having compassion for yourself and taking care of yourself too. 
Yeah, I have certain things I do. Like, you know, I got a Peloton about a year ago and I just absolutely love it. And it's like, I'll come into work late because I don't want to miss my Peloton time. And yes. I don't think about yes. that at all. Right. Because yeah. like, if I don't do that, then I'm not going to be all that I can be today, <laughs> so to speak. So yeah, it's, it's things like that. I mean, spending time away from the office, like turning things off. Like I'm not one of those people that like, as soon as I get home and have dinner, then I like open up my laptop and start working again. I think that it's really important to actually have separation between your working time and your downtime. Um, and just really, you know, I think having that, you know, balance and boundaries in place. Yeah. And I think that's a part, I mean, that has to be a part of leadership too, because if you're, if you're really putting people over profit, you would demonstrate that even for yourself and your, your employees see that. And then they know that it's okay to, to take also take care of themselves. Can you share a little bit more where we'll wrap up soon, but can you share a little bit more about your motto airing on the side of generosity? Yeah. I mean, it, it's, it's just, it's kind of something that, um, I've always said and, and kind of like tried to operate out of. So like, you know, every, every day we're faced with choices, right? And, and we can choose to maybe try to enrich ourselves and, and get everything we can out of this world for our, our own personal fulfillment. Or we can decide that when we're faced with these decisions, we can really be generous with what we have, right? Like the things that we have, I don't think I don't believe personally ultimately belong to us. I believe that we're kind of like called to be like stewards and managers of what is in our care. And that could be a company that could be, you know, a team that could be, you know, resources that could be all kinds of different things. And so when you start to look at things from the standpoint of like, not what I can get from other people, what can I I can extract, but like what I can actually give, what I could produce. I think that that just changes the entire dynamic of, any sort of relationship, right? I mean, you think about that, like, you know, relationships you have like with friends and family and, and you know, others, like if you're constantly just trying to take from the other person, um, I don't know, like it's, it's, it's going to be a very, um, I don't know, superficial kind of relationship. But if you're trying constantly saying, what can I give? What can I provide? How can I meet your needs? Um, you know, it becomes a much more dynamic relationship in many ways. Yeah. I remember our previous executive director did a presentation on um, building confidence. And one of her, one of the things that I will probably always remember is her demonstration on demonstrated confidence and declared confidence. Mm-hmm. And we did, uh, you know, like a little, what do you call it? Like activity and small groups in the first round was declared confidence. So you had to win the conversation. Like you had to like one up the next, what one up the other person, no matter like what the conversation was about. So if someone said, I've been to this conference, I would say, you know what? Well, I've been to like South by Southwest or I've been to like five conferences or I'm going to five conferences coming up, like never caring about like what the other person is saying. And then demonstrated confidence. The goal was to learn as much as possible about the other person. Mm -hmm. And so her whole point was if you meet someone who's, who's giving and trying to learn about you, you have um, demonstrated confidence, but if you're trying to win the conversation and take, you're declaring your confidence. And I just, I love that activity. I, I think that's great. That's the problem with like a lot of debates is like people aren't listening to the other person. They're just yeah. waiting for them to stop talking so that they can go and yeah. snap in with their point right on top of the other person. And I don't think like anybody ever wins like in that kind of scenario. Right. 
Um, and it's probably like one of the biggest things that's wrong with the polarization of, of our world today is that people are just constantly like surrounding themselves in these echo chambers with people that like saying the same things that they're believing, right? And they're never being exposed to and listening to a different point of view. And I think yeah. that that's dangerous. Yeah, I agree. Well, we always try to include a segment at the end of every episode called Good News for Nonprofits. Do you have any good news for our listeners that you can share? Yes. I think the the biggest piece of good news, I would say, is that nonprofits have something that's very, very unique, that's incredibly uh, valuable, not just in the nonprofit space, but in any sort of like, you know, business space, right? And that is like this idea of like being very, very deeply connected to their value proposition. So out of all of our testing and all of our research, which you know, Delaney, that we do tons of, the number one thing that we found that really moves the needle is how effectively an organization communicates a value proposition. Mm -hmm. And if you look at how most for-profit companies are marketing themselves today, they're not like marketing features and benefits or anything like that. They're marketing values, right? Uh They're saying like, you know, we're Apple and we believe in challenging the status quo. And so if you are one of those that challenge uh, the status quo people, then you should buy our products, right? Uh And like, that's something that nonprofits uh, do every single day. And I think that there's an opportunity to really almost like, instead of just constantly drafting off of like what we're learning from people in the for-profit space, I think that nonprofits are going to have a lot to contribute to how companies market themselves in the future. Yeah, that's a great point. It also reminds me, I think REI is another company that does that. Um, Like you could not know what REI does, but if you opt outside, (laughs) you're probably going to buy from them. (laughs) Okay. Well, thank you so much, Tim, for joining us today. Um, I know everyone found value in this that's listening and we'll make sure to reference next after stories of you guys and doing great things in the podcast notes. Um, And I'm sure that we'll talk to you soon. Awesome. Thanks, Delaney. Thanks for joining us for this Nonprofit Hub Radio podcast episode. For more resources on fundraising, marketing, and all things nonprofit, be sure to check out the number one nonprofit toolbox at nonprofithub.org. We hope you'll join us next week for another episode of the Nonprofit Hub Radio podcast. 